0: This is episode seven of Hoops Forum, a joint effort of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. As always, we want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're in the market for a team dealer, look no further than 323 Sports. Uniforms, team gear, spirit wear, sports equipment, they can do it all for your sports program. To find out more, visit 323sports.com or get in contact with a rep at sales at 323sports.com. Be sure to do it right for your sports team. It's that time of year; postseason play is upon us. Yeah, and since defense wins championships, let's right. go. <laughs> we de- we decided to talk pressure man defense today. Uh, there's there's no way that we can cover everything here over the next 30 to 45 minutes, but we wanted to talk kind of outside of some of the basics to provide maybe those that already run pressure man some ideas, maybe some things that you can add in here at the end, or some some things that you can emphasize a little bit differently. Randy, this is a topic that you've spent some considerable time on. Yes, yes. And to what degree, I mean, even here at the start, if people want to kind of look things, hopefully not now, they're not going to search for it somewhere else on the Internet. But um, some some things that maybe you've already even put out there that could be helpful for them.
1: I'd say hashtag pressure man tips on Twitter. Click that like I, you and I were just chatting before the show. Like the, it's all there. I've, I've given it all away. You just got to do the work. Click through the hashtag and and, and learn it. Um, I, there's a great um well, I shouldn't say great. They're okay. Articles on, on fast <laughs> model. I, I let you, I'll let great. someone they're else great. say that. Like where I kind of went piece by piece through the pressure man and they could probably use some updating. That's why I was hesitant to use the great uh, uh, one. I'm a little bit better fast, fast draw artists now than I was then Two, some things that I've quite frankly, just sort of changed my position and my thoughts on and, and might do a little more of or a little less of, or, you know, so, but there, there'd be a great starting point to get sort of the, the basics of, of, of pressure, man on the, on team.fastmodelsports.com. And uh, man, just hit me up. I I help coaches in my mentoring program too, on how to do pressure, man, all things, how to, how how to do it from front
0: to back. So, so this is our poll this week. What what best describes your team's man to man defense, Uh, 39%, close to 40% pressure, man, 37.3 gap. And then 22.8 pack line. I do know that you can kind of probably uh, define those a little bit differently, but mm-hmm. uh, still 40% saying they run primarily pressure, which is why we decided to talk about this today. Uh, we did have one, uh, I saw somebody ask about what. Differences exist between gap and pack line. For me, uh, gap is probably like the best of both worlds. Somebody who doesn't want to all the way commit to pack line, and then somebody who doesn't want to get out in passing lanes and pressure. Some various reasons for that. We won't get into that right now. But uh, majority of you voting on on pressure defense, so that's kind of where we wanted to focus our attention for today. Let's just start with this, Randy. Like the main tenants to be a great pressure defensive team. Because you, you mentioned this beforehand when we were talking, like some people think they're a pressure man defensive team. Maybe you can even checklist right now based off what you're about to say. Are we actually a pressure man defensive team?
1: You know, when I look at that poll, I see I see it a little bit different. I see 60% are not pressure, right? Like there's something other than that. So so the main tenants to answer your question, is disruption. That's the number one that's the that's the desired outcome that we want from playing a, a a pressure man style of defense is we want to disrupt the things you're trying to do offensively. It's not about defending them, it's about disrupting them. Every team, every opponent kind of has this security blanket, their continuity offense, their plays, their pattern or their 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 concepts that they're very familiar with our goal is to make you beat us some other way than running your thing. We may still lose. Right. But like, not that way.
0: One of the things that I saw on Twitter, when I went and looked up pressure man tips, hashtag pressure man's tip, tips on Twitter, you said guarding players versus restricting space. I thought that was very like, that's a shift in mindset, even from our, our conversations the last couple of weeks, you know, talking from an offensive perspective, A lot today, trying to create space on the floor so that our players can create small advantages, big advantages. Well, on the flip side of that, then if I'm the team that's playing against that, I want to teach my players to have that idea of kind of defending space, guarding space, whatever you want to talk about Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. versus just like playing against players and trying to stop them. For me as a coach, that actually, I think we think so much of like matchups, like how's my matchup tonight? Well, we're we're outmatched tonight. We're going to lose versus kind of giving players a game plan what was your thought process behind that i mean what
1: i'd say my my mindset was there's just sort of some qualities of basketball that 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 i'm trying to to disrupt right i'm trying to i guess you could say prevent or disrupt or or stay or or, or um you know force our force the team force our opponent into playing a style of offense that's not very efficient and one of the things is restricting space so when I say the difference between guarding a guarding players or restricting space, you know, like just imagine if I'm 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 playing defense and I'm guarding a player and 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 I've been given the scouting report in the film section and and okay, I'm guarding number 23. 23's got the ball right now. I'm down in my stance. So I'm guarding him and coach says he goes left 74% of the time, he goes right 30 you know, 26% of the time. And like that's guarding players. Like my objective is I've got to know that player in front of me and know what they like to do. They like to go one dribble right, but never two. They spin back, all those things that coaches learn from scouting. So when I say restricting space, that internal self-talk of the player has really nothing to do with the player in front of them. They're, they're using their body, their position, their stance to accomplish an aim for our team defense, and that is to influence the ball to the part of the court we we're okay with it going, or influence the ball, keep it from being being reversed or something like that, like that's main, main difference is like, we're trying to accomplish something with our defense rather than just
0: guarding tendencies or talents or skills of the other player. So talking about influencing to certain parts on the floor and also the fact, whether you're running pressure gap or combination of the two pack line whatever it is everybody Mm -hmm. emphasizes ball pressure Mm -hmm. and one of the most uh, practical things that i've i've learned from you and one of the things that i've taken into practices that we talk frequently about is uh, this idea of down the roof do you want to explain down the roof and i'll pull up the
1: yeah so what you see there my first point i would say to look at is the little dots the little the little black periods that are you know, two at the free throw line extended two kind of at the point that's like equidistant between the lane line and, and the, the three point line where it hits the baseline. So the sideline one there, and then the baseline one there, those are kind of the foundation for what we, what we want to do is restrict space, right? So where you have X one and guarding, guarding player one drawn, their, their aim when they're guarding the ball again is, hey, number one likes to go left 48% of the time. like th- They don't really even think have to even worry about that. They have one objective, and that's to, to if the ball is dribbled, it's dribbled down that rooftop. Then you can see those, the, that, those two lines where you just connect all these points, make sort of a, what looks like a rooftop, right? So they, their objective when they're guarding the ball is to restrict the space. Where can't this player dribble? middle where can they dribble toward that dot on where the sideline the free throw line hits the sideline so simply put if the ball is above the free throw line like it is here we're in what we call sideline push we're pushing the ball toward the sidelines of the court if the ball were at or near free throw line extended we're pushing we're guarding the ball in our stances such that we're pus- pushing it down toward that baseline checkpoint we call that baseline push so simple broad terms. That rooftop is just the connection of all those push or checkpoints or push points.
0: It's been very helpful for us. I mean, I even say it during the game. You know, I'll I'll yell to them down the roof, down the roof, down the roof. Mm
1: -hmm. It helps with their
0: body position, just putting them in the ring. How many times do defenders get beat just because they're not standing correctly? They've got the wrong foot drop. They're giving up whatever, and so it'll it'll immediately adjust their body position and help them. And then obviously, we're trying to eliminate paint touches and crossing the middle side of the floor. And so. I mean, it has the like thing, multiple repercussions.
1: The thing that helped me as a coach, you know, I still coached man-to-man defense and what's now gets called pressure man-to-man defense. Before this concept was made known to me, before this concept was made known to me, I, I found the language I used with a player guarding the ball was like real cheerleader-y. Like you got to come on, man! Yeah. You got to play harder. You got to you got to get after it. You got to sit down in your stance and like you know try harder. You got to want it. You know, like it was all you know, back of the t-shirt cheerleader talk. Right. So, but like now we've got a clear, yeah. measurable, purposeful, purposeful objective when we're guarding the ball, you know, and that's easier to evaluate on film. Like, Hey, look, your stance is too open. Look, you know, it's not on the roof line. It's, it's, is a little open or it's too flat. It's, you know, you can, now I've got some measurable, tangible um, coaching feedback I can give to the on-ball defender other than like Hey man, you know you gotta you gotta be a dog, or you gotta really want it, or something.
0: This may be the most helpful thing, like I said, that we've ever in defense, half court defense. I hope people watching understand it. And it the another kind of uh, goes into this, builds into this, but ball screen defense as well. And so let's go ahead and talk about that and how that applies even to here with the roof, and then also tie it into your thoughts as far as maybe the most effective type of ball screen defense to run if you're running pressure man those that follow pack line. A lot of them are hard hedge. So with pressure man, like w- what have you seen work? And then also, can you tie that in here with this idea of down the roof?
1: All right. So let's look at the screenshot first. So what you see is the the, the team on defense, the screeners defender really, really jumps out there to use your words, hard hedges. To stay consistent with the language that, 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 that we use in pressure man-to-man defense, when they hard hedge, their objective is to Force that defender who would like to come around that screen, bust through the rooftop and get downhill and, and get into a dribble drive. Right, their objective is to jump out there and force that ball handler back up the rooftop. So instead of say coaching a defense or, de- or a team in the manner of like, okay, when they ball screen for number one here, he likes to he likes to take the pull up jumper. Or he you know he tends to you know we don't worry about any of that. None of that. Our job is to restrict space and disrupt their offense. So we, we're always playing to the principles of our defense, not, not our opponent. So to force him back up the rooftop. So if you had a guy, you know, dropped or flat or something, or, or even, you know, who didn't make it out. And this guy gets going down through that rooftop. We, we, we're not, we're not equipped to handle that again. Again, this is about disruption, right? I get I get what what you see on the screen may look jarring, right? Like it's it's kind of like, whoa, he could just throw a little hook pass to the roller and we're in trouble. But like it's aggressive. It's punching. It's not taking punches. We're being aggressive. You know, the, the switching can be beneficial. But when we switch, we still switch up like you see here. Like mm-hmm. we still switch aggressively. So if this, this same screenshot could just as easily be a switch, I would say if it were, I'd want the the screen E right here to get under the screen, but, but the, the guy taking the ball, this would be how I would want our switch to look like. Don't just switch sideways, switch aggressively to keep mm-hmm. the ball sighted. Yes. Yeah, switching kind of became something I got a little more comfortable with. And, and I'm even, you know, I talk to more coaches now who want to go that route is, is switching. So I would encourage the, when you do switch, Switch with these principles like you see right here. Let's just hypothetically say this was a switch. He switches really aggressively onto the ball like that. A trap was something I used when we were playing a really good player, like a really good ball screen player, like a dude who can go, right? Or, or someone who, you know, we're trying to switch coach or we're trying to hard hedge or whatever it is and it's just, they're just burning us or, or they're turning the corner. And, and so I think that's maybe another mindset thing around pressure, whereas some coaches it's like they're they're defensive on defense. Okay, we well, got to sit back and this, this player's really good. So let's go under and you know, don't get beat. Don't get my thought was like if they're good, I'm gonna and really giving us problems. I want one of those other four players to have to make a play. So mm-hmm. if if we're getting in the middle of a game and our regular base, say our switch or or hedging or something's like not working in the next timeout or something like this we call it going green we're going to go green on this on on a ball screen for this player because they're killing us i don't i want them to get in a trap and have to pass it off to to one of the players who's not going to the nba to one mm-hmm. of the players who's not going to get a scholarship or something like pass it to them What's up coaches, this is Travis here with 323 Sports, your top choice for custom team apparel and equipment needs. And right now, we have fully custom sublimated face masks starting as low as $5.95 per mask. That's right guys, only $5.95 for a completely custom performance face mask to protect you and your players as you meet each week. We also have gaiters and over the head face masks. Whatever the style, we got you covered. So be sure to reach out to us by emailing sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with one of our professional reps. Again, that's sales at 323sports.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you and don't forget to do it right.
0: This is hard to see because we only have three defenders and three offensive players. So people maybe are wondering, all right, so if I come and trap, then then what do I do out of that? And so, if you want to speak to the trap itself, and then okay. probably what people are wondering about is the rotations, the rotations out of that on the backside
1: yeah so the first thing i would say is this is not something i use the whole lot so again like the edge case questions of like well, what do you do if they make this pass and then that like i I didn't use this a whole, I mean my hands too dirty with it. And like, I always say I would much rather teach stuff like this to players than coaches because coaches will ask a question about something that's going to happen like one out of 1,800 times or something, you know? Players, I didn't talk to this level of detail to my team. I just just didn't, but I, I have to with coaches because they just like that kind of stuff. But anyway. When we're on the trap, we can see it's not hard. It's a hard read, but we call that going green. The first thing we gotta do is protect against like a, a roller, just like, like maybe like a quick pocket pass or a quick hook pass right to the screen. That, that would put us in a number. So, in a, in a numbers disadvantage. So, you can see on frame two, we sort of quickly build like a triangle, like protect nail and blocks. But then as that possession, so maybe they the two players on the ball tighten the trap and we and we we've, we've trapped the ball and we've gotten you know like one second, two second they're trapped. And now there's going to be some players come rescue the offense. We, we shrink initially to protect against the roll or maybe like if that guard's really good and we we jump out there to trap and they, they cross over and split our trap or something like that. Like... We got to shrink first because this is an aggressive play, right? We shrink first to protect the paint. But then now that we've stay on that trap, maybe that guy retreats, dribbles and pulls his pulls his dribble out toward the half court line. We move the trap with him and keep Keep navel the navel where we're belly button to belly button with them, when, especially when they pick it up. And now there's going to be somebody come try to rescue the offense. So you see player two doing that here. That's when we would come out of that triangle and start taking away out so what we would want then would be to take away the two most obvious outlets. With with my team, that's as about a detail as I got. With coaches, I get asked a thousand more questions. With my teams, like get me a hard trap, deny the next two most obvious outlets and then figure it out right
0: so there's gonna
1: be somebody come rescue the offense just take that player away come off that nail and deny player two when they're running over here to make themselves available If player five were to pop out to try to get a catch here in frame two, X4, go with them now that we've got two on the ball who are tracing the ball with their hands, trying to get a deflection, pop it up. And and we run through that pass the lane and turn defense into offense, which is again, you ask me another one of the tenants about pressure, man to man. That's really the whole point is to is to turn you over and turn defense into layups. The, those are you know, 100% shots.
0: How about trapping other places on the floor? Because if we're running pressure, probably the number one way to do that is by trapping. You don't just do it on the ball, right? I mean, not not out in front in the backcourt, you know, ball off screen stuff are there other times opportunities for us to trap have you done anything like that
1: yeah so um when we go back to that rooftop screen if you don't mind sure if we're guarding a player at the wing our stance angle is is we're, we're taking away middle with our stance angle. You could draw a line through our feet and it would terminate at this baseline checkpoint. So we're in baseline push. So what we see a lot of by by we're influencing the ball the guy with the ball in the wing, we're influencing them vis-a-vis our stance to drive it baseline. We're basically saying, you can go ahead, man, go ahead, drive it in there, right? And And that's another big tenet is if you run pressure man-to-man, you're out denying. You're trying to prevent, say, the ball's on the wing and it gets passed. You're trying to deny the pass back up to the top. You're out denying. What are you telling the offense? You're telling them you can't pass the ball, so they're going to drive it. Duh, right? Like They're going to drive it. I talk to coaches all the time who I give them this sermon I'm giving you. like, If you're going to deny, you're going to get driven because you're telling them they can't pass. So Then I give them this sermon, and still their first 10 questions are about what do we do when they drive? Oh, my God, we're getting driven. Well, duh. What do you think they're going to do? The way we mitigate that is with our stance angle on the ball is we get beat we're going to get driven but I want to get beat and driven predictably. So because we're always going to be baseline push, we're going to be on his high half of that player when their ball's on the wing and we're we're not we we will sometimes still get driven middle but but they would have to do that through our sternum, right? Like they we're in a stance angle that basically makes them influences them to the baseline we're gonna get driven, but we're gonna get driven the same way over and over again. We get good at that rotation. We get good at that help. By game thirty, that that's easy. Long answer, but when we force someone into a baseline drive, we pull our low helper over and, and really wall up at the lane line or even outside the lane. We have what is sort of a trap. We've driven you into the chest of the help defender. I turn and I I stay in stay in the play when my man drives at baseline. And we drive him into that chest of our defender who's walled up and he picks up our, he picks up their dribble right around the block, short corner ish lane line ish area. That's a trap. So same thing is, is, is we're going to try to take away there's someone's going to cut around and try to, to rescue the offense. Well, let's get him in that trap, get a deflection, deny anyone who's coming to the ball to rescue the offense and get a touch on the pass out of the trap. Turn offense in, or turn defense into offense. Let's go.
0: How about let's go back to, and talk about the switching again. And these are all kind of interrelated, so we're not really jumping back and forth. But
1: okay, um,
0: the coach who says to you, "Like I'm afraid of switching because if we switch one through five, or we just switch the guards, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up with a mismatch of some sort on the floor." Do you always have to switch? Do you what What do you have for that guy? What do you say to that guy? I would say, well, there are certainly.
1: Teams and programs at all levels, college to NBA, who maybe switch when it's guard to guard action, like a handoff, like one dribble handoff to two or something like that. they. They it's not a false dichotomy. We don't have to do it all or nothing, right? You could you could, you could, you know, like we're gonna switch guard to guard actions, but or you could be like one through four, but I got a big, a big big, a guy who's in you know, like I don't want to switch with him. That's fine. That that's okay if you want to sort of like have a hybrid where you're switching one through three, one through four, but not, not, not big Tony, right. When he's not quick enough to come out there, but if you do have, you know, if you want to go ahead and go for it, my advice would be to play mismatched one-on-one in practice. Like, you know, normally we do one-on-one it's like guards on that end, bigs on that end, or, but like, Sometimes I would play mismatch one-on-one, my fastest point guard against my biggest big, let's go, to where I can at least get a stalemate and I get comfortable with switching on to a kid quicker than me and I can kind of learn some tricks of the trade, like back up, you know, stun at him, give him a little more, you know, give him a little cushion or or I learn how to just sort of wall up and make, you know, one of the things that I would say is like you got a big switched on to a little and they drive it to the basket, but they don't beat him. Now they got to score over a gigantic guy, right? You know, so... Yeah. It can it can work out. I would say just play with it, get comfortable with with playing mismatch, put your kids in those situations, play mismatch one-on-one in practice. I would say also too, again, it kind of goes back to like we have the ability as sentient beings to think and worry about like that's the bad thing about being kind of smart, you know, is like you can worry. P- people that are not that smart don't worry that much. They can't they can't envision these scenarios. And so we worry about, oh, my God, I'm going to get, you know, Allen Iverson switched on to big country here and it's going to be terrible. Right. You know, like it, it, I just didn't found that to be that scary once I actually did it. Right. And, you know, the 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 open player beats you more than the mismatch. So just work on it, you know, like or switch one through four or something like that. That's what I would say.
0: We will sometimes we'll, we'll switch one through five. And one of the problems that people are already thinking about, like, what well, what happens then? Because they're going to find the mismatch in the post. And that leads us to going back to what we were talking about earlier with trapping the post, something that I've seen Mm -hmm. some teams do that you may want to do is that it's an automatic. Whoever is the big is going to be the person that goes and doubles down there. So you go on, you double, then, you know, a lot of teams teach one dribble away from the basket, then you retreat. So then you just go back the guy who retreats is instead the guy who, who doubled the big is now the guard who was guarding him. And then you're back to your normal, normal matches there. So that's one way to eliminate the, the mismatch there in the post again i didn't really get my
1: hands too dirty with this this is kind of edge casey stuff but like but like we did prepare and talk about a going green on if we switched one through five and got in a bad mismatch you know i have found that a lot of teams will just keep playing right they'll just they don't really notice but like you know you watch watching nba team they get a switch they want it's like the record needle scratches and like and then, you know james harden backs it out on jared allen or something and goes to work well now you know like that mismatch they but some high school teams they just keep running their thing they don't really even notice that we switched and that's cool like great you know like if you do run up against a coach who who like isos the switch like you switch a big onto a guard and and the record needle scratches and that guard backs it out and, and i'm going to take him a tactic can be a green trap like run run the guy who's guarding the wing just go trap the guy and rotate to the next pass to get it out of that mismatch's hands and then figure it out after that. Or like you said, if they want to, if they mouse in the house, you like we switch, they roll your, they roll into the paint, they mouse in the house at you. We're going to stay at home. But when they feed it into that, we're going to go green with the feeder, with the other big, however you want to do that can be, you know, tailored to your (laughs) desires. But like, that's another tactic. But again, man, I'm speaking on, edge Casey stuff that, that yeah. just, I didn't really get into that much with my players. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So speaking about getting more into it, if you're interested, I've got a scroll on down there across the bottom, but go visit fastmodelsports.com and Randy has written several great blogs and Short reads, you can watch, read them just in a few minutes and go back and read a couple other ones. But visuals, as far as graphics on fast draw, as well as video um, and some of those special cases he does address in, in there. But mm-hmm. coaches, like you said, come up with all kinds of special cases. So This could probably yes, go, on, they do. go on forever here. Um, it is time, though, for us to transition here at the end to our segment Beyond the Scoreboard presented by Sideline Interactive. You may be wanting to increase your revenue for your program or improve the fan experience at your sporting events, or maybe it's just time to replace those old, old scoreboards from the 90s. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer of scoring tables and video display boards for high schools and colleges. To find out more about Sideline Interactive, visit sidelineinteractive.com. So those that aren't familiar with this, we give a scenario. We're going to limit it to one this week. Last week, we had several with uh, Coach uh, Whitehart and Coach Uaro, but we're going to mm-hmm. limit it to one one for time's sake today, and this is just a, you know we give a scenario. What would you do in this scenario? What are some possibilities and some things to think through? And actually, this one is one that our team just faced yesterday, so oh, yeah, um, really something that that you could encounter here. Here's the scenario: uh, your opponent is down two, so you have the lead. Okay, with one point two seconds left, it's their ball on the opposite end baseline, mm-hmm. so they have to go full court. They got to throw a full court. Do you play someone on the ball? So that's the first question. Mm-hmm. And are you playing man or zone? And is there any kind of switching involved with that? What What's your thought process? Maybe you got the timeout. Come to the huddle. Decide how are we how are we going to defend this situation?
1: Okay. This is this is the Christian Leitner scenario.
0: Very similar to that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And so from that, we all know what not so, to do.
1: But- so. Since I know what happened there, I'm saying I'm putting someone on the ball. I've got hindsight bias right now. So, but but that would, I mean, you won't believe me, but that'd still be my answer, right? I, uh, oftentimes, what I've seen and, and what I like to do is if they weren't already in the game, because like we're not going to have to, we're just defending 1.2 seconds. That's what you said, right? Like, yes, we're just going to defend like a home run play or a long, you know, maybe a slice type person who's going to get one dribble and launch a 40 footer or something like that or, or a long pass. So, um, what I've seen and done, if they're not already in the game, I don't care. Like if, even if they've got their tiny little point guard, I'm going to put my tallest, longest arm spaniest guy or girl on the ball. And hopefully the referee will enforce some sort of a rule that they don't let her back up into or him back up into the photographer's 10 feet behind the baseline, right? Like they have to sort of stay in the zip code of the baseline. And, I'm going to put my tallest, longest, rangiest, arm spanniest guy on the on the wingspan guy on the ball to sort of maybe get it get a tip on it or at least block the vision of whatever they're trying to do. I'm still going to be man to man, and if they screen to bring someone to the ball while it's out of bounds, I'm going to switch that just because one. I'd like to I'd like to get a five second call. Sure. Right. Like if they can't get it in, they can't see through my big guy. We switch whatever they're trying to do to bring something to the ball. Maybe they use their last timeout to set up this play. We can get them in panic mode and get them off the play or maybe get a five-second call. So, again, I'm probably going to play that pretty aggressively, switch while it's out of bounds if they, you know, screen to bring someone and try to deny that entry.
0: You know, something else I, I've i thought of, you're definitely saying to them, like, you can't get beat long. Like, you, can, you can't have the yeah. ball thrown over the yeah. top. I, I've seen that happen. For some reason, players like to stay on their, their players' hips. Like, we're going to deny you or we're going to – I'm going to stay with you, and it never works. So definitely don't get beat long. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually, yesterday, we went to a box behind the guy who was guarding the ball. And, you know, you think about one second, you know, a dribble every second. If I can get him to catch it and have to dribble at least one time, probably not going to get a a good shot off. So keeping everybody in front, keeping in mind how many. So if this would have changed to three seconds or whatever, again, always that. For me, at least, I'm thinking about yeah. how many dribbles are we talking about here? Yeah, and if and where brought, is that going to place that on him to, on the floor once he yeah. gets those three dribbles?
1: And if they brought people into the front court like a like a one four, obviously what they're trying to do is bait you in and then throw you long like a football yeah. play. Right. Or something like that. Like So like that, that's what I would, you know, like if there if there's multiple people like coming up to the ball. Right. Let's let's don't get beat deep if they cross screen or something, we can switch that, but like be, be wary of getting beat deep. And if they, if they inbound in front of us, you know, they're going to be taking a 70 footer, you know, yeah. in the back, if they inbound in the front court in front of us, yeah. you know, we may get beat on that. I hope not, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I won't talk about the one story that had happened that too, but it wasn't good. Yeah, it's like we said last week, when it happens the first time you never forget it and you, learn from it so yeah uh, hopefully maybe this will help somebody this this week or within the next couple of weeks here yeah these playoff games these, and they these yeah.
1: scenarios man you see them all the time they, they they manifest themselves and and they get they become part of basketball lore like that duke in kentucky that you're they you know they're they're the iconic plays
0: yeah absolutely absolutely well exciting time of the year appreciate all of you who joined us this week if for randy sherman i'm tony miller we'll talk to you again next week on the next episode